If you have your Bibles this morning, I'm going to ask you to open them with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 5. They are here, ready to go. Matthew chapter 5. This week we are winding down our series on the Beatitudes. We have uh, today and next Sunday, and we'll be moving on to a a different uh, issue in Scripture. But um, I I pray that this has been a good series for you. And uh, if you haven't been here, what we've been looking at is these Beatitudes. And the reason why is because when you look in our culture, and even in our churches today... You find a lot of people that want to have happiness in their life. They, they want to be joyful. They want to be happy, uh, but they just can't seem to find happiness, or they can't find happiness that's lasting. Uh, many of us sometimes find happiness in things or possessions or relationships or whatever, but when those things get older or when they lose their luster or whatever, then we kind of lose our happiness because we were basing our happiness off of exterior things and Jesus is teaching how to be truly happy that's the word what the word blessed really means in scripture it means to be happy in spite of circumstance not real not needing your circumstances to be perfect in order to find happiness but to be able to be happy regardless of your circumstances whether or not things are going good for you or whether or not things are going bad for you whether or not you're in good health or whether or not you're in bad health, whether or not you're in wealth, uh, or if you are in poverty. It doesn't matter because these are the things that are needed in our lives to be happy regardless of those circumstances. And so that's what we've been looking at. And every single one of these Beatitudes that Jesus tells us that are the cause of of bringing happiness to us or the source of bringing happiness to us are completely upside down from what the world would say. And today is another example of those. Today we're going to look at the characteristic of being a peacemaker and how being a peacemaker makes us truly happy. So if you have your Bibles today, stand with me for the reading of God's Word this morning. We're in Matthew chapter 5. We're going to read verses 1 through 9. The Word of God says in Matthew chapter 5 verse 1, And seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth, and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Let's pray. God, today I pray that you'd bless the reading of your word, and as we examine it this morning, I pray that I would decrease and that your spirit living in me would increase and that the words would be shared today would be yours and not mine. Father, that you would use these words to impact our hearts and our lives today, that we would be forever changed because we've been face-to-face with you through your word, and it's not for our glory or our honor, but for yours. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Well, the way we've looked at each and every one of these is when Jesus describes these these characteristics of true happiness, the way he does it in the Beatitudes is he gives us the first thing is the characteristic that's blessed, and then he gives us the reason why that person is blessed. And so what we've been doing is looking at those two things, and then in between them, we've been looking at some biblical examples of that so we can get a picture of what that looks like 
practically in the lives uh, of people from Scripture. And so we're going to follow that same outline today. So the first thing that I want us to look at this morning to understand what Jesus means here is the characteristic of being a peacemaker. What is a peacemaker? Because if we're going to really understand This particular beatitude, we have to understand that particular word and what it means. And in order for us to do that, I want to see three things about this characteristic. The first one is I want you to see what it's not. Because when I say peacemaker today, many of our minds go to things that aren't accurate from a biblical perspective. So here's a few things that peacemaking or being a peacemaker is not. Being a peacemaker is not the absence of conflict. It is not the absence of conflict. If you read the scripture in Matthew chapter 12, Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace, but the sword to divide parents and children and brothers and sisters. He came to divide. It's not the absence. Being a peacemaker is not the absence of conflict. It is never to be confused with being a pacifist, with just being someone who doesn't believe in any kind of conflict whatsoever. It is not that. Peacemaker from scripture is also not the avoidance of strife. It's not purposely avoiding issues. It is not to be, um, it, we are not instructed to run from conflict. We're not instructed to avoid the issues, hoping that conflict will just go away, because here's what will happen. You and I will avoid the conflict. We will not do anything about it till it gets too big to be avoided, and then it's way bigger than what it should have been when it was talked about in the first place. Because sticking your hand, head in the sand and acting like something is not an issue doesn't make the issue go away. So being a peacemaker is not avoidance of strife. Neither is it appeasement of parties. You're not being a peacemaker is not just appeasing people, not just making them happy. That's the idea of peace at any price. And that mentality is far from a biblical command. I've discovered in my ministry and in my life that it is never possible to make everyone happy all the time. Completely impossible. And if you are trying to be at peace at all costs, trying to make everyone happy, you are going to drive yourself crazy. And I can give testimony to that because that tends to be me from time to time. It will drive you crazy because it's impossible. So the idea of being a peacemaker is not just appeasing everyone, nor is it the last thing it's not. It's not just accommodating the issues. It's not just taking the issue and just being accommodating to it and go, well, it's okay. That's no big deal. That's no problem. See, the person who glosses over the problems, acting as if everything is all right when it's not, is not a peacemaker. It is not absence of conflict. It is not avoiding strife. It is not appeasing everyone around And it is not accommodating of issues, particularly sinful issues. And just treating as this is no big deal. That is not what a peacemaker is. So what is it? What is it from a peacemaker? Because when I say peacemaker, a lot of times, even in our culture, maybe it's not one of those things that I mentioned, but some people think of a peacemaker as a coward. Someone that's afraid to stand up. Someone who's afraid uh, to, to address an issue. And, and so what is a biblical peacemaker? Well, here's a working definition that is a great working definition from Scripture on what a peacemaker is. A peacemaker is someone who is actively seeking to reconcile people to God and each other. That's what a peacemaker is. Someone who is actively 
trying or seeking to reconcile people to God and to one another. The word itself is a compound word coming from two main words. The word meaning peace, which is shalom, which means greetings or blessing or peace. And then the word maker. You put those together in the Greek and you get the word peacemaker. And it is a word bursting with energy. It is someone the, the word itself mandates action. It mandates activity. It, it means that you are actively pursuing peace. It's not someone who just avoids peace or avoids conflict or avoids strife. It's someone who's actually actively pursuing to fix the issue. It's someone who is trying to get people back together, reconciled between each other. It is trying to get people to be reconciled to God and have peace with God. That's what a peacemaker is from Scripture. It is someone who is actively seeking to reconcile people both to God and to each other. You see, they, they pursue way more than the absence of conflict. They don't avoid strife. In fact, sometimes peacemaking will create strife. They aren't merely seeking to appease the parties, and they aren't trying to accommodate. Instead, they are pursuing all the beauty and blessedness of God upon one another. I like the way William Barclay translates this verse. This is what he says. As peacemakers, they are people who produce right relationships in every aspect of life. That's what a peacemaker is. Someone who is producing right relationships in every sphere of life. Of life. So what does this look like? That's the third thing about this characteristic I want you to see, is what does this look like? And if you look in your notes in the bulletin, it, right after this, it'll say a portrait. I'm going to kind of cover that in this section, so don't get lost in your notes. And so what does that look like? Well, there are three aspects of a biblical peacemaker. And when you look at this, it'll give you a good portrait of what this looks like practically uh, in your life or in the lives around you. The, the first thing about a peacemaker is if you want to know what they look like, is they, first of all, they know peace inwardly. A true peacemaker knows inward peace. They have inward peace, okay? Before you can become a peacemaker, you have to actually have experienced peace yourself. And that inward peace is only found in one way, and that's through Jesus Christ, and that's it. Listen to what the Bible tells us. Paul says in Romans chapter 5, verse 1. He says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The only way you and I have peace with God is through Jesus. You can't do enough to bring peace with you and God. As a matter of fact, you are, if you're apart from Christ, you are an enemy of God because you are walking away from God. Naturally, at birth, you and I, everyone in this room, when you were born, you were born sinful. What that means is, is you have a natural inclination to sin. That's why no one has to teach you how to steal. No one has to teach you how to lie. No one has to teach you how to be deceptive. No one has to teach you to disobey your parents. No one has to teach you to be mean or rude or angry. That is a natural outflow of a heart that's born in a lost condition. And that makes us enemies with God. And the only way that you and I can have peace with God is through faith in Jesus who purchased our peace on the cross. So you, you students that are here, adults that are here, 
Just coming into this service this morning does not bring peace to you with God. If you're counting on your church attendance bringing peace with God, it's not going to do it. If you're counting on your baptism to bring peace with God in your life, it won't do it. If you're counting on singing songs that lift up the fact that you love peace to your life with God. It won't do it. The only way to find peace is through Jesus Christ. And so a true peacemaker, first of all, knows peace inwardly, and that inner peace only comes from Jesus. There's nothing else that can give you that peace. Nothing. Nothing. No relationship can do it. No possession can do it. No amount of money can do it. Only Jesus can give you peace inwardly. What else does it look like? A second thing is, not only does someone who is a peacemaker know peace inwardly, but they bring peace spiritually to others. You see, a peacemaker, if you are actively involved in trying to bring reconciliation between people and God and between people and people, then well, let's talk about that first aspect, the second, bringing uh, reconciliation between people and God. If you're actively doing that, then you are actively involved in the process of bringing peace of God to the lives of others. And the only way to bring peace of God to the lives of others is through the gospel. That's it. Because the only peace, the only purchase, and the only way to have peace is through the gospel. That's why it's known as the gospel of peace. The only way for anyone to have peace, not just you, but anyone to have peace with God is through the gospel. And so someone who's a peacemaker is actively pursuing and actively in the process of advancing that gospel of peace, the message of Jesus, towards others in their life, giving them a chance to have the same inner peace that you do. You see, the message of Christ has always been a message of peace. The, in, if you look back in the Old Testament, in Isaiah, we're told that Jesus would be known as the Prince of Peace. When Jesus was born and the angels appeared to the shepherds out in the field, what was their message? Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill towards man. All the way through the Great Commission has always been a message of how to have peace with God, and that only comes through Jesus. So a peacemaker not only knows peace inwardly, but they pursue peace spiritually for other people. And they also, and the last thing I'll talk about, is they pursue peace socially. That's the second aspect. A, a, a peacemaker actively pursues reconciliation between God and people. That's the spiritual aspect. But also between people and people. And that is where we pursue peace socially between each other. You see, a biblical peacemaker seeks to bring peace to every relationship they are involved in, whether or not it's in their family, whether or not it's socially, whether or not it's in the school or in your workplace or on a team. You are pursuing to bring peace to those relationships in your life, and you also are pursuing to try to bring peace between parties that you aren't even involved with. Or maybe you're involved, but you're not the one at conflict. See, I get an interesting perspective on this as a pastor because luckily I haven't had this happen here in Malika. I haven't, and at least I can't remember it happening. But as a pastor in, in a former church, we had a couple different groups of people that were not getting along. And they were 
their division was causing issues within the church. And so I had some people who weren't involved that were like, hey, what are you going to do <laughs> to fix that? And so sometimes as a pastor, you get to be that, that mediator. And you, you get to go and try to be the one trying to bring the peace to both sides. And that's a very tricky and very difficult it's a hard thing to do, but it's even harder when it's not in your church family. It's difficult when it's in your physical family. I uh, will tell you this real quick, and I know my, my parents are here, and they, they can attest to this, but um, 10 years ago, just earlier this month, my grandmother passed away. And when my grandmother passed away 10 years ago, our family was not getting along. There was some major strife going on in our family, in particular with my grandma and her children and her grandchildren. And about six months prior to her passing away, she was diagnosed with cancer, lung cancer. Right in the process of all this taking place, she was diagnosed with cancer, and then it became clear she wasn't going to do any treatment. She wasn't going to do anything to try to fix that. And here we are, and she, she asked me in person, would I do her funeral? And so I'm sitting here going, how do I preach a funeral to family of someone I love, even though we didn't always get along, I loved her. How do I do that when we're not together as a family? How do we, how do, how? So I took a day off from Lone Grove, and I drove from Lone Grove, and I tried to catch everyone I could. And say, guys, whatever this issue is, it's got to stop. We have a funeral that's going to take place sometime shortly. Like sooner rather than later. And I want you to know, that's not received real well sometimes. Even when you're not the one involved. I was not involved in the situation. And I'm talking to people and they're like, well, so-and-so did this. And then so-and-so did that. And I'm sitting there going... Okay, I understand all of that, but can we not lay that aside and try to fix this issue and come together so we can be as a family? And it didn't get any better. To the point that the day that my grandma, we laid her to rest, instead of staying up here, I packed up with Jenna and we went home. And the next day, I was in the ER with stress. Thought I was having a heart. It is not easy trying to be the peacemaker in situations. But it doesn't free us from our responsibility to do what we can to bring peace. To actively pursue peace for people between people. Whether or not it's between you and them or between them and someone else. To be actively pursuing that in their life. And here's why. We should know more than anybody what it means to have that peace. But is that always possible? Nope. Let me read this verse of scripture to you. It's also found in Romans by Paul in Romans chapter 12. It says this. If it be possible, as much as it depends on you... Live at peace with all men. Did you catch that? If it's possible, as much as it depends on you, live at peace with all men. That, that tells us that sometimes peace isn't possible. But it also tells us that it, that absence of peace should never be your fault. As a Christian, nor should it be mine. 
To, to lack peace should never fall on you. You should not be the source of strife and conflict. Now, is there any exceptions? Yes, one. And that is when the only way to have peace is for you to be or to accept unrighteousness and unholiness and sinful behavior as okay. And then that goes back to you because you can't do that as a believer. We are never to be unrighteous and we're never to call unrighteousness righteousness. We're never to call unholiness holiness. We're never to just gloss over those things. And if someone comes to you and you say, hey, we've got an issue, what can we fix? And they say, well, you need to start doing this. And what they're trying to get you to do, you can't do because you know it would go against what Scripture tells for you to do, then yes, then at that point, there's nothing you can do about that because you have got to exalt righteousness and holiness first. So yes, that is the case. But we, other than that, we shouldn't be the source of strife and conflict. So who's our example? That's the second thing this morning. That's the characteristic. That's what it looks like. Who's our example? Well, the best example and really the only example of true peacemaking in Scripture is Jesus. Jesus is the example of being a peacemaker. See, peacemaking is a divine work where God is the author of peace and Jesus is the supreme peacemaker. Jesus came to establish peace. His message of the gospel explained peace. His death purchased peace, and his resurrected presence enables peace in our lives. And and listen, that is the story of Jesus from start to finish. Even before he came, he was going to be known as the Prince of Peace. Jesus' persistent words of absolution sinners was, go in peace. Just before he was crucified, Jesus' last will and testament was found in John 14 in his what's known as the farewell discourse. He says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Your heart must not be troubled or fearful. Peace I leave you, my peace I give to you. And then after the resurrection, his first words to the disciples was peace to you. Jesus is the greatest example of being a peacemaker, but Jesus, if you'll notice, was never a coward. And Jesus never appeased people, particularly in relation to unrighteousness. He, he never avoided strife. Matter of fact, Jesus went, went into the temple one time and caused strife. Because they were in there ripping people off with money changers, and Jesus got righteously angry and flipped over the tables. There are times when when we need to understand that being a peacemaker is not, again, about voiding strife or accommodating of sin. Jesus never did that. I I love it when people bring up and say, uh, well, you know, Jesus, the, the, the woman who, you know, was about to be stoned and and, you know, he says, you know, um, where's your accusers? Because he starts talking about he, without sin, throw the first stone, so they all dropped theirs and walked away. And he says, where's your accusers? And they say, well, they left. They, 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 don't, they don't condemn me, I guess. And Jesus said, neither do I. But do you remember the rest of the sentence? Go and sin no more. You see, we like to think Jesus just accepts us in our sin and then doesn't want to get us away from sin. Like, Jesus loves me, and he's going to let me continue to walk in sin. He never did that. Jesus met them with love and grace, but he always would say, 
go and sin no more. And that's what a peacemaker is. He is our greatest example. And then the last thing this morning, we'll close out, is there's a reason, there's a cause. There's a reason why Jesus says that these peacemakers are truly happy. And the cause, again, is found in verse 9. Look at it again. He said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. They shall be called sons of God. That is why they are truly happy. A peacemaker is called a son of God. Now, here's what we need to understand. The word called means to be officially designated as something, or as, as like holding a particular rank or office, or as in when you are um, uh, when you're chosen to be a captain of a, of a team or, or something like that, or when you are the designated spokesman for a group and you're called the spokesman, or it, when you get older and maybe you're on a, a board or a, a, a committee or something and they call you the chair or the chairman, that's an official designation that you are now called by. And, and when, when Jesus says this here, he says that those who are peacemakers will be called, they will be recognized as what they really are, and that is the sons or daughters of God. Now, here's where we get confused. Some may look at that, sons of God, and assume at first glance that it means the exact same thing as a child of God. And they're not completely identical. There is a difference between called a child of God and a son of God. And here's the difference. A child of God is one who is a part of the family of God. As a child, you are a part of the family of God. It is a statement of position. You belong to God's family. As a child of God, you belong to them. I have three children. They are a part of my family. When I call them a child, that designates a position. They have a position in my home as a child. Now, I have other kids that are in my house, and I love them, and I, and I want to be there for them, and I can be everything I can for them, but they're not my children, Right? Because I have three children, and they are officially designated as that, and they are a part. It means a position within my family. Now, if I was to adopt a child, which is what God does for us through Jesus, then guess what? That child now becomes my child, and they are a part, or they're granted a position within my family. Okay, But a son of God is not one who is just a statement of position. It's a statement of someone who is like their family. To be known as a son of God is a statement of character. Or it, it is, let me put it like this a son of God is one who not only carries on the family name, but bears family resemblance. Bears the family resemblance and reputation of that. So I, when, when he says that you are to be called a son of God, blessed are you who are peacemaker, for you will be known as a son of God. Jesus is saying that as his followers become known as peacemakers, they will be recognized as sons of God because they share in his name and they share in his mission. They resemble him. They resemble his characteristics. And again, remember, who's the greatest peacemaker? Jesus. God is the initiator, and then Jesus is the purchaser of our peace. And so when we become peacemakers, we will be recognized as sons of God because we bear a resemblance to him. 
You see, so the question you have to ask yourself this morning is, do people in your life, do they recognize you? Do they recognize you? Or do they recognize the family resemblance based on your peacemaking efforts? Do they recognize you as a son of God because you are a peacemaker? You see, you may be a child of God because you accepted Christ, and that's absolutely true. That's what brings you into the family of God. But you are a son of God because you resemble him. So do you resemble him in the manner of peace? Are you actively seeking to reconcile people to God? Are you actively seeking to reconcile people to one another? Putting two neighbors back on speaking terms or restoring unity within a family or making amends for a brother or sister or a brother and sister in Christ? Are you resemblance? Are you recognized as assisting in God's activity in our world? You see, a peacemaker is truly happy because above all else, no matter what else is going on and no matter whether or not peace is available or not, they, they seek it, they actively pursue it, but whether or not it takes place or not, they are truly happy because they are known as God's son or daughter because they bear a resemblance to him. 